afternoon, Central Park Baptist Church. Good afternoon to y'all. How are we doing this afternoon? Doing okay? Hey, man, if you're able to rise, only if you're able to rise now, uh, we would like for you to join us in singing hymn 157, hymn 157, as our opening hymn, hymn 157, I'll fly away. I'll fly away, then we'll open the word of prayer. I'll fly away. Him 157, him 157, I'll fly away. Father, Lord, thank you so much for bringing us back into your house this afternoon. Lord, I just ask that you open up the hearts of your people. Lord, help us to receive the message that you have laid upon pastor's heart this afternoon. And Lord, I just ask that we take something from it and Lord, apply it to our hearts and use it to be a testimony to your people out in the world this week, Lord. Lord, I just ask that uh, you continue praying for our missionaries. What a blessing it was to receive a video from uh, Pastor Marco out in the Philippines, Lord, to see what kind of uh, hand of protection and uh, work that you do, Lord. And Lord, we just ask that we can continue being a uh, one unit of your glorified body, Lord, and keep being a vessel for you so that way we can be of use for you and your people. Lord, we thank you for your love. We ask that we can continue to share it, Lord, and help us this afternoon. Lord, open up our hearts and our minds to receive the message that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen and amen. And as we continue in worship, we would love for you to join us in singing hymn 180, hymn 180, Standing on the Promises. We know that one of these days, for those of us who are born again, believers, that we're going to fly away, but that's only because of the promises of the Lord. Amen. Hymn 180, Standing on the Promises. Hymn 180, Standing on the Promises. Standing on the promises of Christ my King To eternal ages let his praises ring Glory in the highest I will shout and sing Standing on the promises 
standing on the promises we'll sit on the premises for a few moments amen all right let me give you some announcements for today don't forget about soul winning saturday 9 30 in the morning it's our opportunity to get out and tell our friends and neighbors and loved ones that surround us amen uh, with the gospel message of jesus christ so i want to encourage you to be a part of that if you if you can 9 30 in the morning you say brother marco i don't know what to say you don't have to know Ask Brother Jim next time you see him. Everybody talks for him. Amen. He just comes when we need we need partners. If you have two people that are willing to talk and they have to go with each other, and they they argue about who's going to talk. Amen. And then and uh, where they walk all over each other trying to have a conversation with somebody. But if you got a person that don't want or two people that don't want to talk and two people that want to talk or could talk, then you got a good uh, two teams there rather than just one team. Amen. So now you went from uh, two going out uh, and to four going out and making a bigger impact for Jesus Christ. So I want to enc encourage you to be a part of that. Please don't forget about our missions conference coming up. I continue is the theme of our uh, of our missions conference this year, October 11th through 15th. And that'll be a Wednesday, Thursday, Friday and Sunday. Uh, and so start praying now about what God would have you give. Amen. I, I promise you. Uh, from the word of God, that you can't outgive God. Right. Amen? Right. And if you'll pray and ask God what he wants you to give. I know how much I want you to give, but you have to sign the check over to me, and I don't think that'll work. Uh, so, But I know that God will show you what 
he'll provide for you to give. And then what's amazing is you give what he's provided, then he blesses you for that and gives you more. Um, I, I really believe that's the, the, the uh, key to church growth, financial church growth, people church growth. As a church gives more and more to missions, see, missions isn't for us. Uh, my wife and I were talking about this this morning. When you give money for the kitchen, that's kind of for us. And that's a good thing, okay, but it's kind of for us. We give money to, oh, I don't know, um, uh, paint the building. That, that, that's kind of for us, though we're not asking for money for painting for the building. But when we give to missions, that has absolutely nothing to do with us. That is going over and above and giving to God's people what God's people needs for God to use it in a way that God sees fit. That's missions. And when we give to missions, God says, well, that church isn't caring so much about what they get for themselves. That church is worried about and concerned about others. And we want to get as much work done for Jesus Christ across the world as we can. And God says, I'll bless that church. I'll take care of their finances as they take care of their missions. And it's amazing how God blesses that. You know, I can't tell you how many pastors across America don't even know what I just said. And their church struggles financially, and the first thing they do, are you ready? They cut out all missions. And now it's all about myself. Isn't that the problem with us when it comes to tithing? We say, well, I just can't afford to give, so I'm not going to give. And I'm just going to keep it for myself. And when a church does that, that's when they cut out outside things. But when we go over and above and we decide it doesn't matter what we have and what we don't have, we'll just make it work. We're just going to give. Doesn't, isn't that when God starts to bless us financially? And as we're more and more and more faithful to that, God gives more and more. And suddenly we look back and we say, how did I get here? Because I was in a mess before. But man, this is comfortable here. And we got here. Because we came outside of ourselves and cared about others. That's what missions is about. And that's what our missions conference is about. About us going forward and continuing to meet the needs of other places around the world that cannot get help except for what we give. As a missionary, you can't get a job on a foreign field. You'll get kicked out. Because as Americans, they don't want us working there. They want our money. And if you're working for a company, that's a different thing. But if you're coming as a missionary and you want to get a job so you have extra money to, to feed your family, they don't want that, and they'll kick you out for that because they feel that you're taking money from that nation's people because they need the money as badly as you need it. But if you're here as a missionary, then you ought to have the support from your religion is what they'll say. And that's what being a missionary is about going out outside of what you have and just trusting God for everything. And so they trust us to go to God and say, okay, Lord, what would you have me to do? So I want to encourage you to start praying about that now on what God would have you to do when it comes to missions uh, in October 11th, 12th, 13th, 14th, and 15th. Don't forget about Ladies Bible Study at 10 o'clock in the morning this uh, September uh, 12th, amen? And then don't forget about Andretti's, amen? Andretti's um, uh, go-kart and games, amen? That'll be this uh, Saturday, uh, September uh, 16th from 4 to 11 o'clock. We need to get a final sign-up amount 
for the Andretti's uh, for that. So please give the $10 payment. There's a $10 payment involved to either Brother Clark or Miss Callie. Uh, if you don't know who Miss Callie is, she's Miss California right over there. And, uh, <laughs> and then uh, Brother Clark, he's that short fella that walks around. And uh, uh, that short, heavy set fella, um, <laughs> Brother Clark. And so uh, please get those to them so that we're able to get an accurate count because the tickets are going to be purchased prior to uh, the event. Amen. So we have to know exactly how many tickets to get. And to be frank with you, Ernie, um, uh, but to be fr you'll get that sooner or later, slow locomotion. Uh, but to be frank with you, we need to make sure that we get the right amount and don't overspend or underspend. Amen. So that everybody can get in. So please uh, see them about that. All right. Um, there's other announcements. Uh, look, look at them in your bulletin. And uh, thank you for coming to our 2 o'clock service. Let's pray for our offering. Amen. Father, thank you so much for allowing us to give and trusting us to give and blessing us when we do give. Your word says we've been bought with a price. We're no longer our own, but we are yours. And that's a true statement. It comes right from your word. And so in reality, everything you've given to us is, is yours. But you've only asked us to give you 10% and then just whatever above. And that's so very kind and generous of you to care for us in that way. So I ask as we give that you would bless as we give. Multiply that which we receive to go far and meet the needs of this church, but also multiply what we have given to our givers, that your name would be magnified and glorified amongst your people. We love you for this privilege. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have an offering, come and give it right now. Join us in singing hymn 601, hymn 601, leaning on the everlasting arms, and we'd love for you to greet each other at the conclusion of this hymn. Leaning on the everlasting arms, hymn 601.
Take up thy cross and follow me. I heard my master say, I gave my life to ransom thee. Surrender your all today. Wherever he leads, I'll go. Wherever he leads, I'll go. I'll follow my Christ who loves me so. Wherever he leads, I'll go. He drew me closer to his side. I sought his will to know and in that will I now abide wherever he leads I'll go wherever he leads I'll go wherever he leads I'll go I'll follow my Christ who loves me so wherever he leads I'll go it may be through the shadows dim or or the stormy sea I take the cross and follow 
wherever he leads I'll go I'll follow my Christ who loves me so wherever he leads I'll go my heart my life my all I bring to Christ who loves me so he is my master Lord and King wherever he leads I'll go wherever he leads I'll go wherever he leads I'll go I'll follow my Christ who loves me so wherever he leads I'll go thank you so much brother Yule seems like uh, if my wife and I would be honest with people that's been the theme song of our life wherever he leads we've gone been to a lot of places seen a lot of things seen a lot of things we never want to see seen some things we'd love to see again uh, but uh, as we go through life's journey, God has many things for each one of us as we follow him and he leads us. Uh, take your Bible tonight and open, if you would, to Psalm 90, Psalm 90, Psalm 90. Um, if you, uh, once you find it, if you would, would you stand, please? What I'm going to say tonight really isn't new. Uh, it's not, oh, wow, what a great truth. It's something we know. It's just a different look at it. Maybe an easier way to sometimes apply what the Word of God says. Because you're going to find what I'm going to say familiar, and you probably have quoted part of it uh, sometime in your life. And it's all number 90, and I was going to start with verse number 9, but I am going to start with verse number 8 because it just helps me. Verse number 8, Psalm 90. Thou hast seen our iniquities before thee, our, sin, our secret sin, in the light of thy countenance. For all our days are passed away in thy wrath. We spend our years as a tale which is told. The days of our years are threescore and ten. But if by reason of strength they be fourscore years, yet it is their strength, labor, and sorrow. For, if it, for it is soon cut off. And we fly away, which is what we sang about in our first song, I'll fly away. And that's where the thought comes from. And verse number 12, if you would, with me. So teach us to number our days, that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. I guess if I had a text verse, it would be verse number 12. So let's read that one more time before we pray. So teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Holy Spirit, I ask that you help me to be or make me a blessing to your people. That as we hear this truth today, it would be a truth that we could apply easily to our life. 
and that we'd realize the brevity of life, how short it really is. So please have your way in our heart and in our life, please, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I've been a blessed above measure in my lifetime. I have a wonderful wife. I have a great son. I have three wonderful daughters. I have son-in-laws. One fantastic daughter-in-law who loves me, and I'll pay her $20 if she tells me, along with 12 outstanding grandchildren. I have brothers. I have sisters. Uh, nieces and nephews and cousins and a multitude of friends scattered literally throughout this world. I've had a very blessed life. It's been a very honor to live that life for Christ. However, my greatest blessing is knowing that Jesus Christ is my Savior. That my sins are under the blood. That I have a home in heaven waiting for me. Waiting for my departure, which for me, I would hope to be soon. And if I go before my wife, she'll be saying, winner, winner, chicken dinner. Uh, (laughs) Believe it or not, we do have those conversations. When I get there, I'll be reunited with families and friends and relatives and people who maybe I met one time who I had the privilege and honor to lead to Christ. And they all who have gone before me. There is much to be said in these verses above. The greatest lesson for me is at the end of verse number 10. Let's take a look at that. And here's what it says. For it soon is cut off and we fly away. Notice that statement. For soon it is cut off. That's abrupt. That's an unexpected statement. Here you're going along, boom, cut off. Whoa. We say in, in the in the uh, in the in the uh, in the youth in their youth in their in their uh, unexpected suddenly they passed away. What was the reason they passed away? I was reading a, 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 about Tony Bennett the other day. I think it was Tony Bennett. I don't know. Somebody died, and they were ninety nine years old. And they said, "Let us exp- was it Tony Bennett? Let us explain why they died." I said, "I know the answer. They were old. When we get old, it's not unexpected to pass away." Amen? They were so young. They were only 99. Oh, yeah? How many people are are older than they are? Not many. Okay? So it's not unexpected for somebody to die. However, we don't know how many our days are. For some of us, we think of that three score plus 10. That's 70 years. For some of us, we think 80 is kind of still young a little bit. But that's only because we've been replaced most of the places. Our knees have been replaced. Our hips have been replaced. Our eyes have had surgery. Our brows have been lifted. I mean, there's all sorts of things that go on as we get older. But we still say they're so young. Because it's such a shock to us. Even though we know it's coming when someone passes away. It's so unexpected. They're cut off. And that ends it. There's no coming back from that. Amen? And it says, and we fly away. I learned uh, a long time ago in my life not to run too fast, because usually I trip over myself. But not to go too slow either. 
because I failed to get things done. And as I was uh, now, I, in, my, in my late 60s, I still feel like I'm 40. At least my brain says I am. My body says, liar, liar. <laughs> Nose as long as a telephone wire. I mean, you're just not. And you try, but you're not. But your brain says you are, and your body says you're not. My body knows the years of my life, and my mind knows the years of my life. And they know that soon it will be cut off, and I'll fly away. We have a tendency to lose track of time in many things in our life. We lose track of how long we've really been doing something. My wife and I were talking the other day, I think it was last night, I'm not positive, uh, and I said, it's hard to believe we've been married 44 years. It's hard to believe you do anything for 44 years. Right. Amen? But we've mar been married 44 years. Now, if you would have asked us what, at, our, at our first or second anniversary how long you think you're going to be together, we might have said, oh, the next six minutes or so, but that's about it. Uh, now, 44 years later, we look back, and it's like it, it doesn't even seem like it's 44 years. It still seems like it's been nearly nothing, but we, it, 44 years is a lifetime. It's a lifetime. We lose track of the life of our parents, how old they're getting, how old, what's happening in their lives. And it's almost too late when we recognize maybe we need to put them in a home. Maybe they only have a few months to live. Maybe their mind is no longer functioning like it should and needs to know. Malachi's looking forward to that day, by the way. <laughs> we lose track of our parents and their age and their time. We lose track of the lives of our children. I, it's hard for me to believe that my youngest is over 40. Wow. Yeah, that's what I think, too. Wow, how in the world did that happen? They were just born yesterday. Boom, and now they're 40. And they, got all got, they all have children of their own. Raising up their children, and I, and I want to swoop them all up and take them home because none of them know how to raise children like I do. <laughs> That's how we feel as parents. But we lose track of it. When I was younger, I read these verses in Scripture, and I realized how important it was to take a good look at time, to look at my life, to look at other people's lives. And I take a good look at things. So one day I started praying. And I started asking God to help me give, me give me understanding of what you're saying here. Give me some wisdom. Did you know there's no knowledge, there's no truth, there's no understanding without God's wisdom? Amen. Wisdom is looking at life from God's perspective. And there is no knowledge without his perspective. Because anything that is knowledge from the world is not true. Right. It's man's knowledge which is worthless. Right. And that's why we keep repeating the same things over and over again in life. And throughout our history, we do the same goofball things over and over and over again. But true wisdom, true knowledge, comes only through the Lord. So I kept praying about God to give me an awareness of these things, give me awareness of time. One day after praying, I sat down and asked myself, if my mom and, uh, and dad or if my grandparents or the people I really love were to pass away into eternity, into eternity tonight, would they know how I loved them and how much they affected my life? And the answer I gave myself was, no, they wouldn't know. Because I never told them. 
So during the next few days, I made a list of everyone whom I thought was important to me, and I took great care to eat, to write them each a letter. Now, I know this is the time of texting and emailing, but there's nothing like having a physical letter that you've written out in your own hand that you took the time to write to someone to give that to them so they could always look at it whenever they wanted to. Electronic stuff disappears. However, once it's on the internet, it's always there somewhere and someone's going to bring it back up. But the truth is, is that to to be able to hold something in our hands, and I sat down, not using a typewriter, but with a pad of paper, and on each name, I started writing a letter to each one of them, telling them how much I loved them, telling them how much I cared about what they taught me, listing some of the things that they taught me, some of the things that that they didn't even realize that they taught me, and how I felt about them and how valuable and important their life was to my life. I sent letters to my uncles, my aunts, my grandparents that were still alive, and to my parents. I have one person I sent a letter to that's still alive today. He's in his 90s, my Uncle Richard. And every once in a while, he'll say, hey, I remember that letter you wrote me. And it was many, many, many years ago, probably over 30 now, maybe closer to 40. Then as I continued to pray, God made me a little more of aware. After talking to my parents and sending out these letters, I started realizing the time my parents had lived and how often I saw them now. See, we get so used to seeing people all the time. You know, you woke up every morning, there's your mother yelling at you about something. There's your dad telling you to do something. When your father gets home, he's going to whip you anyway. You know, you get kind of used to a lot of things in life. You get used to seeing them all the time. And then when you move away, you don't realize how little time you do spend with them now. And as time gets further away and you get busier and you have children, it's less time and it's less time and it's less time. And I said to the Lord, help me understand that. And so I sat down with a calculator, a pen, and a paper. Actually, it was a pencil. In case I made a mistake, I had to rub apart to make an erase. And I realized that as much time as I visited them, and as long as the visits lasted, with each of my parents and the longevity of our family, I had less than one week of time with each of my parents. By the time you take the number of visits and multiply that times the number of years and you think they have left, how long those visits are by hours. And then you take those hours and you turn them into days and take those days and turn them into weeks. It's very amazing how little time you really have. And it bothered me. My wife may remember us doing that. And so next time my parents called or I called my parents, that call was a little sweeter. I paid a little bit better of attention. I started to realize that I'm not going to have this conversation a whole lot longer. I need to use this time wisely. And I needed to to speak to them about things 
that were important because oftentimes we just don't talk about anything that's important at all. We just talk. <clears throat> every phone call then became more important. Each visit became more important. And every walk, waking moment that I had with them became amazingly important. And now they've both been gone over 30 years. But when they died, I had no regrets. I told them how I loved them. I told them how I cared about them. I told them about the impact they made in my life. And I told them that they were important. And then the time that I did spend with them became very important to me. A little while later, I was praying and realized as a husband and a dad and a pastor, a preacher, a counselor, and a teacher, my life was being used up very quickly. I needed to realize how much time I had left with each of my children. So I sat down and I started to calculate the ages of my children, the average age of graduation. If Once they leave home, well, now they seem to come back like a bad penny, but uh, once they leave home, generally, they're gone. And when that happens, that daily fellowship is lost. And you don't have that anymore. And then time really changes. So I sat down and calculated how much time I had with my children each day as they lived with me and how much time I had each, for each one of them before they would leave for college. I calculated and counted the average time I spent with them per day or per week and placed that in the, and I turned it into weeks, months, and years. And I was astounded on how much, how little bit of time I really had left when someone may be living in my house for five years more, but what little time we would actually be together during those five years. As a result, I would plan daily to be around more often to talk to them more, to spend more time with them. I wanted to, I wanted to give them more of myself during those moments because there's really only moments that you have left. For me, I think it helped. I think it made me a better dad. I'm not sure my children ever knew about this. I doubt if they know about it today. Uh, it, it's not important whether others know. It was important to me that I used my time wisely with them. That's what it says in verse 12. It says, so teach me to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. I do, I do now the same thing with my grandchildren so I can give them as much time of myself as possible to them. So when I go with, to them, I don't just say hi to them, give them a hug and let them go play. I go play with them. You, each, you ask either, any of my grandkids, grandpa is their playmate. Papa is my, my playmate. Papa is my, oh, it depends on which family I'm in, uh, is my playmate. I go and I, I up there in their room. I get on the floor with them. We play games together. They'll take, they'll take the cell phone when we're on FaceTime and say, would you come play with me? And they'll run me up to the playroom on the phone. I want to vomit because the thing's moving everywhere. Uh, but we play together even on the phone through FaceTime because they know Papa is their play friend too, not just their Papa. After my last child moved off to college, I started to do the same kind of mathematical exercises with the time my wife and I had left together. I wanted to tell my wife every day, once I figured it out, that I love her. 
I try not, I try even still today for a day not to go by without saying to her, I love you. There'll be times at nighttime we'll be laying in bed and I'll look over at her and say, hey, honey, what? I love you. Because I want to make sure I told her that day. There's sometimes I'll lean over and I'll say, did I tell you I love you today? She'll say, I don't know. And I'll say, well, I love you. Because I don't want a day to go by without her knowing that I love her and how valuable she is to me. Now I'm old. Life has raced by. One day, not too long from now, I'll probably be with the Lord, seeing him face to face and rejoicing over that. But have I done everything for him that I want to do? Because once I got through my family, I started to think about my Savior. How much time do I spend with him every day? How much time do I pray? How much time do I spend in his word? Because praying is me talking to him. Reading his word is him talking to me. How much time do I do things for him? How much of my time that I spend, am I laboring for his glory and for his honor, for things that will be eternal? We spend an awful lot of time on things that are temporal. But I really need to spend time with things that are eternal because when I'm cut off and I fly away, I can do no more. How much do you tell the Lord you love him? I ask myself that question. How important is he to me? How often do I spend time talking to my heavenly father? Do I just talk to Jesus? You say, well, they're one and the same. There is the Trinity, that's true. But there's three different personalities and they each need their attention. They each do different things. These are great questions that have changed my life and my time. Time's short. And before you know it, each of us will be in heaven. And we'll just have turned around and these little kids we see here, the Lord doesn't, if the Lord tarries and is coming, they'll be running everything and we'll be gone. And we'll be a faded memory. A tale. That's what it says there, right? Look in verse 8. For thou, uh, verse 9, for thy days are as passed away as, as wrath and spent our years as a tale that's told. Just a little byline here. Oh, you remember Brother Marco? Yeah, he was that goofball guy. Yeah, I remember him. That's it. That's a lifetime. You know, when you go to the graveyard, you see, born on this year, died on this year. There in between there's a hash mark, and that hash mark tells you nothing. But that hash mark is your life. I heard a lady say not long ago, and I think I got this right. From the time your child is born, you have only 18 summers with them. Think of how short a summer is. So what can I do to use my time wisely? Number one, and we'll be done. We've got just a couple, and we're going to be finished. Number one, take him at his word. Take God at his word. Take God at his word. What do you mean? Psalm 39 and verse number four. Lord, make me to know mine end and the measure of my days, what it is, that I may know how frail I am. 
In other words, Lord, take the Lord at his word. Life is short. It isn't gonna st- you're not going to be here forever. You may feel like you're young, and as we old people, we feel like we're young. We feel like we can go out and garden the rest of our life. We think we can go out and work hard the rest of our life. We think we can have our job forever. We think that we're going to be here for, for, for a while longer. Amen? And it just, we never get to that place where we say, well, I don't want to do nothing no more. Because when you get there, you start to get rested, and then you get, you get fidgety. i got to do something. But as you get older, it seems like we sleep less, so we do stuff more. Like lay in bed, try to figure out how to go back to sleep, but it just doesn't come. Our brain turns on, so we got to get up out of bed. we got to go do something. And that's all a part of being young in our heart. And when we die, I think sometimes it's going to surprise some of us, too. Boom, I'm in heaven. How'd that happen? Man, Lord, I was just down there. It seems to be quick. Have you ever heard of somebody doing something, and then two days later you hear they died, and you say, what happened? Well, they were in their 80s, you know. And so it shouldn't be that big of a surprise, maybe. But it still is. So take the Lord at his word. So teach us to number our days, verse 12, that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Help me use the time that I have for your glory and for your honor and not for myself. You know, when I get to heaven, it doesn't matter what I've done for me. It's all burned up. Amen. I remember going to my mom and dad's house after they had passed away. We walked in the door, and there my, uh, we walked through the, the garage, and the, we opened the garage door. My, the, my, their cars were in their garage. We walked in the, the kitchen door that was from the garage into the house, and there on the kitchen table was my mother's purse. Her keys were on the top of the purse, just like normal. You go to the refrigerator, it was filled with food. My mother always cook for a thousand people rather than just one or two go to her cupboards all their plates are there all her dishes are there you go to her room her clothes are all there everything's laid out as if she's going to come home right now and continue to live and so was all of my dad's stuff there but they weren't coming back they were cut off and they were in eternity and it was over and it seemed so odd walk in there and just see everything ready for them to be there because we leave everything here. So the only thing I really have is what I've done for him. I like, I like planting a garden. I like growing food. It's always amazing because I have a black thumb. That means I kill everything I touch. This year we had a garden like I've never believed. I actually think I had a green toe as a result. And I, uh, they call it turf toe. Anyway, um, I, I, I got excited because it grew so well. We canned and we canned and we canned. I've eaten more pickles. I think I'm now pickled from, from the bottom of my feet about up to here. By the end of the year, it'll all be, I'll be pickled all the way up and having a good time at it. And it, I, it just, uh, I never grew like it. It was exciting. I loved that. But you know what kind of value it has in eternity? None. See a little person in the auditorium. Or an older person I've never met. Or a middle-aged person that's there for their first time. My very first thought is, are they saved? Do they know for sure if they died right now, are they going to go to heaven? I don't want to wait six months to see if they come to me finally and ask me. Man, I'm going to go to them. 
Why? Because I'm concerned. I want to know. There's something there for eternity. If I wait, what happens if they die? And I never asked them, and I never talked to them about it. And they go to hell because I didn't care enough about their soul to ask them. Listen, that's not popular in churches today. You don't want to make people feel uncomfortable. I know that. But what's more uncomfortable? Asking somebody if they died right now, if they knew for sure they'd go to hell. The, uh, to heaven or letting them burn in hell? I ask myself that. I want to do something for him. I want my life to count. So I've got to realize and take God at his word. James chapter 4 and verse 14. James 4, 14. Wherein as you know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. Your life's but a vapor. You ever see a vapor? Oh, yeah. Oh, it's gone. A little steam. That's a vapor. Gone. That's how quick our life is. And if I don't do something within it, then it's lost forever. And my life will have not counted. And I want my life to count for Christ. So I must take God at his word. He knows what he's talking about. It seems like 80 years old. Listen. If somebody would have said, how old do you think is old? I would, when I was young, I would have said 50. Now I'm, in the, now I'm near the end. Of, I'm, I'm at the trail parts of the 60s, and I say, man, that's really quite young, you know. I was amazed that I could fall in love with a 60-year-old woman. I wouldn't have thought that when I was in my 20s. Oh, one day you're going to be in love with a 60-year-old woman. Are you nuts? You see what a 60-year-old woman look like? Think, think about it. I know it sounds comical, but it's true. That's how fast life goes. And now my sweetheart is in her 60s. And she looks to me like she's in her 20s. And I'm going to get my eyes examined next week. But uh, it, it's just all I'm trying to say is life goes by quick. And you don't realize how fast it really is. By the way, I do think she's the most beautiful woman in this auditorium, so. Number two, apply this truth about the brevity of your life to your life. Apply this truth of the brevity of life to your life. If all I have is 18 summers with my children, by the time they're five years old, I don't even realize that I'm down to 13. By the time they're 13, and you want to kill them, you realize I just have a few more years to put up with this, and they're finally gone. But what we really need to realize is that I got five years left. I only have five more summers, five more vacations. Five isn't a very big number. So apply this truth to your life. Your parents may seem young. Well, probably not to you, because I don't know, my grandparents never aged. When they were in their 40s, they looked like they were in their 60s. When in their 60s, they looked like they were in their 60s. When they were in their 80s, they looked like they were in their 60s. It seems like people don't age in your mind as you grow older. But because of that, we lose track of their time. And how much time they really have. 
And if you're not kind to your parents now, you're never going to be kind to them. So you better be kind to your parents now when you got them because soon they'll be gone. And then it's too late. And I know a lot of people, an awful lot of people that live a life of regret because they never actually spent the time with their parents that they wanted to and they're gone. They never said the things to their parents that they really wanted to and they're gone. It's such an unexpected thing, yet it's expected because we don't realize the brevity of life. Number three, ask God in prayer to help you apply this to every aspect of your life. Ask God in prayer to help you to apply this to every aspect of your life. Your time. Apply it to your time. In other words, don't sleep your life away. Don't set your life away. In other words, sit around and do nothing your life away. But live each day to its fullest. How sad is for many people I have known and counseled and spoken to and have waited too long to figure out what in the world they want to do in life. And now they're in their 30s and they want to go back to college. But college people are all, all so immature to a 30-year-old. True? It's true. Wish I could say it's not true, but it is. So take the days you have now and use them to their fullest. Don't waste your time. Don't spin your wheels. Don't, don't think about, well, I got, I got a lot of time to do this. Because in reality, you don't. Because you don't even know when you're going to die. I have done more funerals for little children than I have for adults. I have done funerals from infants that are newborn uh, to people all the way in there. I think the last one, I did one that was 100 years old uh, in Ohio. So I've done every age group. But I've seen like children die unexpectedly. And we always call that a tragedy. And in some ways it may be. But it's always sad because we don't know what they could have done. And sometimes I wonder, your parents say, I don't know if they realize what they could do because they won't apply themselves to their time. Parents, I'm sure you understand what I'm saying. I'm just saying that we need to apply this to our life and to our, our daily life. We need to help, our, the Lord needs to help us apply this to our family. How much time do we have with our family? We need to apply this to our spouses and to our children and to our grandchildren. How about applying this to our job? You know, we go into work and we say, man, I hate to be here. I wish, and then all of a sudden we lose our job and we go, oh, I wish I had my job back. Well, then you should have realized how valuable your job was before you lost your job. But you didn't apply this truth. And you lost your job, and now you think everything in your life is falling apart. And it starts to make you feel like a failure. Because we don't value the time in which God has given us to live. So apply it to your job. Apply it to your parents. Apply it to your grandparents if they're still alive. Apply this to your time with God, for that should be number one in your life. It took me a while in my lifetime to realize that the first thing I needed to do every morning was to walk with God. Because I'd always say, okay, i got time to do this. And you never have time to do it if you don't do it first thing. 
I promise you, if you're going to put it off till later on, you ne- later on never comes. So why don't you admit that to yourself? And I admit that to myself. And I say, okay, I'm not going to wait till later on. I'm going to make it the priority number one in my life. Because then that'll make a difference in your eternity. This is 2023, but I remember when the new millennium came in, 2000. (laughs) Would the computer grid go down? Would all life end? Anybody else remember all this stuff? Oh, it was crazy. Boy, we thought, uh, we, we don't even know how to number a calendar. Is the calendar even numbered right? Would a computer know to go past 2000? Everything was dated 19 and dash, dash. <laughs> what were we going to do? Would the grid go down? Would the electrical grid go down? Would everybody, would things not function anymore? Would, 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 uh, uh, would uh, uh, people start uh, uh, stacking up on food and there wouldn't be food to get? Because people were doing that. Because we thought all the dread that would happen when it turned into the year 2000. Now, some of you don't know what we're talking about because you was born after 2000. But the truth is, is that for those of us who lived through it, it was a bit of a scary time. At least that's how they played it up. Then 2000 came, and you know what happened? Nothing. Same old, same old. Grid didn't go down. Food prices didn't go absorbent. That didn't happen until, never mind. I was going to say something like Biden got in office, but I don't want to be political. The ball fell in Times Square, and it turned the year 2000, and life went on. And it's still going on today. Wasn't it just January 1st, 2023? Isn't that how you feel? That's how I feel. Didn't we just play a Super Bowl, and now the Cowboys are trying to figure out if they could go to a Super Bowl ever again? I'm not making any predictions, no. And... uh, but, I mean, it wasn't we just in football season. Now, right around the corner is Christmas. I, literally, it's around the corner. I remember when I was a kid, three months of vacation. It felt like three years. It was great. And then when I got to be a teenager, it was like, three months? Are you kidding? That's no time at all. Now I say... We already went through summer? I thought we were still in winter. It just goes that fast. Because life is fast. So let's rethink the use of our time and our priorities. Let's lay aside the unimportant issues of our life. And ask God through the power of his Holy Spirit to help us have a balanced view of time. As it says in Psalm 90 in verse number 12. So teach me. To number our, or teach us to number our days. Number them. That we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Let's use what we have for Jesus Christ. Father, it's been a simple message, nothing new, nothing flashy. Same old, same old. But maybe just a little different look at the brevity of our life. I ask, Holy Spirit, that you do what I cannot do. I'm no great speaker, but you are a great God. Holy Spirit, you can take this truth into our hearts and cause us to question if we're using our days, our 
hours, our minutes, our seconds, for your glory and honor. Please have your way in our hearts and lives. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed and no one's looking around, how many say, Brother Mark will pray for me? I need to apply this to my life. I need to really figure out in my life and in my heart time. Brother Mark, would you pray for me? Would you slip your hand up, hold it up nice and high just for a few moments? All ages of people have raised their hand. Thank you. You may put your hands down. Father, I thank you for those of your people that raised their hand today. This hasn't been a, oh, one of those great, great messages, but Lord, it's been a simple truth. Lord, that you would cause us to grow as a result of this message and help us to apply it in such a way that we would use our time for your glory and for your honor, please. In Jesus' name. Amen. The altar's open. You may, let's all stand to our feet. The altar's open. God spoke to your heart. You come right now as the invitation goes. Are we using our time for his glory and for his honor? You come.